Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 1, 15 through 22, called The Bravery of the Midwives. Pharaoh was now in direct confrontation with God's covenant promises made to Abraham. Pharaoh becomes a bit of a type of an antichrist, opposing God's special plan, because remember, the Savior is going to come through this Hebrew line. One commentator says, from the very day that Adam and Eve first sinned, God had always promised to send his people someone to save them from their sins. The offspring of a woman, a son to crush Satan's head, Genesis 3.15. God's people trusted that promise, waiting in hope of the coming of Christ. Whether he knew it or not, Pharaoh was the seed of the serpent that God promised would strike at the heel of the woman's seed. By trying to prevent the Savior from becoming a man, Pharaoh became an antichrist. Pharaoh's attempt to exterminate the sons of Israel anticipated all the Antichrist of history. The slogans change, but the sin remains the same. Whether it's Adolf Hitler and his final solution for eliminating the Jews or communist China and its one-family, one-child policy or the pro-choice movement in the West, it's all opposition to life and ultimately hatred to God. You know, if you surveyed the Bible in world history, you will find that this has happened a number of times. Haman in the book of Esther, Herod in the book of Matthew, Hitler in our recent past, and much, many more examples could be stated. This is reality, where someone paints a person or a people as a threat, and there can be now an ethnic cleansing, they might call it, or a killing of a people group, and it's because they're seen as a threat to society. And this is on the rise in our world, folks, and we have to have our eyes open. We have to know how to pray. Satanic attempts to cut off the line leading to Christ are all throughout the Scripture. And of course, I just named some in world history. Now, Pharaoh's going to make a bad career move because he's now going to oppose the living God. And this is the thing that you and I need to remember, that when we are opposed for what we believe, it's not necessarily against us, it's against our God. Amen? It's a spiritual battle. It's against what we believe and who we stand for. And I know we're all human, and I know it can be hard sometimes when you get dismissed or... Uh, you know, people just marginalize you or even try to cancel you. 16 says, he said, when you are helping the Hebrew women to give birth and see them upon the birth stool, if it is a son, then you shall put him to death. If it's a daughter, then she shall live. And all the women said, praise the Lord. <laughs> no, never mind. Interestingly, later, Moses' parents and Moses himself uh, whom the midwives likely saved will be faced with a similar choice. I, I want you to think about the fact that Moses, the deliverer of the nation, is about to be born somewhere in this history. Is it possible that the Hebrew midwives, because of their refusal to obey the ungodly order of the Pharaoh, saved the, the deliverer, Moses himself? 
allowed him to be born. And then his mother is going to have to put him onto the Nile. Remember the famous story, it'll be in chapter two, because she could no longer hide him, which tells you that there was a real threat going on. And from what I've read, that Hebrew male babies did die at this time. Hebrews eleven twenty three through 26, write it down for your notes, says, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking, Moses was, to the reward. In Hebrews eleven twenty three through 26, we've looked at it previously. They were not afraid. They refused. They considered and they thought about the treasures of the eternal kingdom rather than the temporal treasures of Egypt. This is why some of us get backed into a corner in our decision making. Because we think about the temporal rather than the eternal. We think about the here and now. We get backed into a corner. And it's very human to get backed into a corner. And it's very human to make mistakes. And we all have made them. And thank God for God's grace. But they considered. They decided. And uh, they're going to hold the line. There's a couple of views about the women on the birth stool. Let me just, I'll just mention this in passing. Some believe that they are birth stones and how somehow women may have uh, sat on these stones in the birthing process. That seems rather bizarre to me that you would choose a stone to sit on in the birthing process. I mean, I would imagine, I'm a guy, so I have to be very careful here, that the birthing process is difficult enough without adding to it a rock for a bed. Can I get a witness, women? Any? Yeah, okay. And uh, without the modern-day... Uh, helps that uh, are available now. So some say that the birthing stones, and here's where I'll just keep it at this level, but I think you can figure it out, have the idea of just identifying the child through the parts of the child. So essentially, some commentators are saying that this is not about where the Hebrew women are sitting in the birthing process, but more about looking to see whether it's a male or a female. And making a on-the-spot judgment, if it's a male, to do the dirty work of the Pharaoh, which he wouldn't do by himself, by the way. Have you noticed that with bad guys? They want other people to do their dirty work. They're pretty good about sending orders out to other people. Hey, take care of this. Hey, do this for me. But they won't do it themselves. And so I think this is just simply an identification you might be asking the question, and if you've read on this, some people do ask the question, why just the males? Why, why didn't he just say, kill every child? Because then he would take care of the problem, wouldn't he? And there's some conjecture that the Pharaoh wanted the women spared because he wanted them for himself and his Egyptian buddies. And uh, when Abraham, in the book of Genesis, travels to Egypt because of a famine, he says to Sarah, his wife, say that you're my sister because you're a beautiful lady. And by the way, she's 65 at this point. Uh, so she's a pretty 65-year-old, which is awesome. All the ladies said, yeah, praise the Lord, right? And he said, you're beautiful, so they'll kill me and keep you. So say you're my sister. 
Come on, honey, please (laughs) tell him a lie, right? And she did. But the Pharaoh took her into his household, into his harem. And God beat up the Pharaoh for that one. And he found out that she was Abram's wife and said, what have you done to me, man? (laughs) Sorry, dude. (laughs) That's a very loose translation. That's a surfer's translation. Sorry, dude. Anyway. And so this is the brutal thing that he asked these midwives to do. This is from an article eight years ago in Life News. Two bioethicists, Dr. Alberto Ghibellini and Francesca Minerva, published an outrageous paper in the Journal of Medical Ethics justifying the deliberate premeditated murder of newborn babies. During the first days and weeks after birth, Ghibellini and Minerva wrote, quote, when circumstances occur after birth that would justify abortion, what we call after-birth abortion should be permissible. If a newly born child poses an economic burden on a family or is disabled or is unwanted, that child can be murdered in cold blood because the baby lacks intrinsic value, according to Ghibellini and Minerva, and is not a person. Ghibellini and Minerva wrote, actual people's well-being could be threatened by these babies. These babies are a threat to your well-being. Sound familiar? They, they might be an economic burden. Oh, I got news for you. Oh, they are. And not only when they first come into the world. <laughs> Can I get a witness? There's a stretch of about a decade where every time you turn around, they want money. And you say, get a job, you're eight years old, figure it out. Right? You can go broke. Economic burden, that's just the beginning point. But we had children because we know that in having children, there are so many layers of beauty to raising a child and teaching them and providing for them. Yes, it's hard. But can you imagine somebody saying, hey, if you figure out after they're born, they might be an economic burden. Why don't you just go ahead and take them out? These are scientists in journals that are called ethics. What in the world is happening to us? Ghibellini and Minerva, well, they believe that babies are expendable. They say something like this, newborn infants, like their slightly younger sisters and brothers in the womb, cannot have formed any aim that she is prevented from accomplishing. So they don't, they don't have any goals yet, so you could just kill them because they haven't figured out their goals, and so they really have no purpose. So we propose afterbirth abortion. Listen to this. Princeton's Peter Singer suggested a couple years ago, there are various, quoting now, there are various things that you could say that are sufficient to give some moral status to a child after a few months, maybe six months or something like that. And you get perhaps to full moral status. Really only after two years, says Peter Singer, should you give full moral status to a child. Well, Dr. James Watson, Nobel laureate, for unraveling the mystery of DNA, wrote in Prism Magazine, if a child were not declared alive until three days after birth, then all parents could be allowed the choice only a few are given under the present system. 
The doctor could allow the child to die if the parents so choose and save a lot of misery and suffering. I believe this view is the only rational, compassionate attitude to have. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Dr. James Watson, Nobel laureate for unraveling the mystery of DNA, wrote in Prism magazine, if a child were not declared alive until three days after birth, then all parents could be allowed the choice, only a few are given under the present system. The doctor could allow the child to die if the parents so choose and save a lot of misery and suffering. I believe this view is the only rational, compassionate attitude to have. And finally, in like manner, Dr. Francis Crick, who received the Nobel Prize with Watson about DNA, said, no newborn infant should be declared human until it has passed certain tests regarding its genetic endowment, that if it fails these tests, it forfeits its right to live, close quote. You got to pass the test when you're born or you forfeit your right to live. These are co-discoverers of DNA's structure. These are the medical people of our day in the secular world that just say, just say that a baby's not human yet and it'll all be fine. Will it? 60 million babies aborted since the 1960s now in America. And some of us wonder why what's happening today is happening. Hmm. And I ask you the question, do you think we've truly repented as a church and a nation for our true sins? I don't think so. You guys see the nonsense that's happening right now in our government where, you know, we have some big issues going on and we're talking about, you know, gender-neutral terms and redefining pretty much everything that was basic common sense for millennia. We have to ask some serious questions, don't we? And oftentimes when people are challenged on these points, they say, oh, I, I have faith, I believe. 
But the midwives, 17, feared God. Here's a key, brethren. They feared God more than they feared Pharaoh. And they did not do as the king of Egypt, middle of 17, had commanded them, but they let the boys live. The fear of the Lord in the Pentateuch, says one writer, means to be honest, faithful, trustworthy, upright, and above all, religious. This is true religion in the sight of our God. To help orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world, says the book of James. I think that's uh, 127. This is what it means to truly worship God. It is not just about a song. It is about how you live. And the fear of the Lord should squash all other fears. Amen? So many people just frozen by fear today. And for what? Because we're so concerned about, you know, what people think or what's being, you know, the next law coming down the pike. True fear of the Lord is what fuels and drives true courage. True fear of the Lord drives true courage. It, by the way, bravery doesn't mean that you're not afraid. I've been afraid many times in my life for what God has asked me to do. And I've had my conversations with God. Are you sure? Can you get somebody else? Why me? Oh, Lord, help me. I don't want to do it. But you know what? Courage is conquering your fear as you lean into the power of God. One of the things that God does when he stretches us is he makes us rely on a power source outside of ourselves. Amen? This is where we need to be. That's why sometimes when we lose some of the privileges and the freedoms that we've had, it's not necessarily a bad thing because we have to push into God. Amen? And I hope that's what you've done in the last year. You know, it's, I'm not saying it's easy, but... Let me just give you in rapid fire some verses about the fear of God. Nehemiah says, I put my Hananiah, my brother, Nehemiah 7-2, if you're taking notes, and Hananiah, the commander of the fortress, in charge of Jerusalem. In much opposition as they rebuilt uh, the walls, he was a faithful man, Hananiah was, and a faithful man and feared God more than many. It says of Cornelius, the... uh, Centurion, leader of the Italian band. He, he backed up Sinatra back in the day. Just kidding, that's a joke. Anyway, he, he was a devout man who feared God, Acts 10.2. In Jethro's counsel to Moses later in the book of Exodus 18.18, I believe, or 18.21, check me on that. Furthermore, you shall select out of all the people able men who fear God, men of truth, Job 1.8, God is boasting on Job. Have you considered my servant Job? There's no one like him, blameless and upright. He fears God and turns away from evil. Job 1.8. Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance in the evil way. In the perverted mouth I hate. Proverbs 9.9-11 says, Give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Listen to this. 
For by me, wisdom, your days will be multiplied, just like happened in Israel or in uh, Egypt with Israel. And years of life will be added to you. That's Proverbs 9, 9 through 11. We need courage to stand for the Lord. When I consider the book of Daniel, for example, when Daniel refused to defile himself with the uh, choice food from the king's table, he stood in little things, and then he had the courage later in the book of Daniel to stand in bigger things. Little compromises will weaken you so that you won't have courage when you have the big moments of life. Please hear what I'm saying. But if you are faithful in the small things, if you refuse even to make little compromises, and obviously we need God's grace, and I'm not saying anybody is going to be perfect, but if you are faithful in the small things, you will be able to be courageous in the, day, the bigger days, the bigger challenges. Do you believe that? Right now, this is what we need. Lord, help me to be faithful. Help me to stand like they stood in the book of Acts. Help me to embrace Psalm 111, verse 10, that says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. Psalm 111, verse 10. Psalm 34, 11 says, Come, children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. And then he goes on to say, Those who fear the Lord will have peace and love life and see good days. Not easy days, but it will make for a soft pillow. The Hebrew word for fear is the word regularly used for piety. It doesn't mean that you're shaking in your boots at God. It just means that you want to honor Him. You want to be obedient to your Father. You want to do the right thing. Corey Tim Boom comes to mind. Remember when they hid the Jews from Nazi Germany at great personal expense? There's a higher law. You've been listening to The Bravery of the Midwives, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. And that was Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 1, 15 through 22. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, are you in need of prayer or guidance? Sometimes getting through the week has its challenges, and we have pastors ready to hear what you have to say. Whatever you're going through, please call us. Walk in Truth has pastors on staff ready to talk to you Tuesdays through Fridays during normal daytime business hours. Please call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. So what do you do when government laws conflict with spiritual uh, commands? Well, of course, this faced the church during the COVID stuff, and there's other times when we would say, you know, with moral issues of the day, we have to face these things. What do we do? Well, we have a higher law to answer to, and though God has instituted government, he's done it for good. And so when government goes bad, then Christians have to face the reality of, you know, do I compromise God's commands for man's? You never do that. Uh, oftentimes in lives, in our lives, let's, let's talk about the country we live in. It was founded on scriptural principles. Yes, we've lost our way over time, but there's going to be few times probably that you're going to have to face a crossroads like this. But if you have a command of God, um, that 
is something that's in conflict with what the government's demanding, then of course the Christian must obey God rather than men. But we need great wisdom in how we carry these things out. And some of these questions have been dealt with pretty thoroughly as we went through the COVID stuff and how to wrestle with that. We did some messages, uh, for example, during that time from Romans chapter 13, explaining, you know, the, uh, what the Bible's actually saying about these kinds of things. So anyway, hopefully that will help you as you navigate your way through. Hey, speaking of navigating your way, we have a Wednesday night service and it's something that you can come to or you can watch on our YouTube channel. And, uh, we're going through books of the Bible. We, uh, are, actually continuing to move through the book of Exodus on Wednesday nights as we're closing up the book here at the fellowship, Living Truth Christian Fellowship, Wednesday nights, 7 p.m. We have a concurrent youth group, a kids club going on, so something for all ages. Hey, if you want to come on out for a midweek service to get built up and strengthened, you can go to walkintruth.com and click on the church tab for driving directions walkintruth.com, click on that church tab, or remember you can always call 844-48-TRUTH, 844-48-TRUTH. If you say, hey, Pastor Michael, I would love to be part of it, but I live in a different state, remember you can always catch these services live, search Living Truth Christian Fellowship on YouTube, and you can get to our YouTube channel. We do air the Wednesday and Sunday services. So be blessed. We'll see you right here tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 1, 15 through 22, called The Bravery of the Midwives. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.